Hi, welcome to the Parenting Bridge podcast. I'm Dr. Michelle Alden, a licensed professional counselor, parent coach, and family therapist. And I'm here to help you to build a bridge to your best family possible. And the other thing too is that can help build connection is kind of built around like how you handle things in your family and how you greet each other when you come in the door and how you say good say goodbye or how you reconnect after being disconnected. So and I think that is something that we kind of miss a lot of times in our in our families and especially in our society today. Like we don't tend to focus on the responses or, you know, the connection piece of it. So if your kids have been, you know, how when they, you know, come to breakfast, how how do we greet somebody? And and I, I think the kids have a response too. So do you say good morning? You know, is it do they need to say good morning back? And then watch yourself because if you're asking a bunch of questions, some kids will really shut down. Some kids will get more anxious. So it's not necessarily time to ask a lot of questions. Um, sometimes just a simple like, oh, I hope you slept well, you know, and then, you know, giving those directions of what they're going to do next. So watch those kind of connections and reconnections times. If you've, if you've had a big um, problem and, and then, and then finally, you know, people get calm. How do you move from that to the next thing and yet, you know, deal with the problem and then kind of create that connection piece. So being able to say that was really tough, but then being able to, to reconnect and how people greet each other when they come home. If you, um, I know the hardest thing for me as a parent was when I would come home and everybody was already there. Like it was much easier if I could be home and then greet people when they came. So, but but sometimes you have to remind yourself, and I used to have to do this even on the way home. Like when I get home, like don't worry about all the things, right? I'm a little bit OCD about stuff. So it's like, don't worry about that. Make sure you connect with the people that are there and teach your kids too, that when they come home to find, you know, the person that's there, the adult that's there and say, um, to say hello and to, you know, just, just kind of spend some time just thinking about how you connect and reconnect, how you say goodbye in your family when one person is leaving, um, and kind of build some routine or tradition around that. Like, this is what we do in our family. And even if it's a big change, it's like, we're going to start doing something different. And here's what we're going to work on. Because if everybody's working on it, that's really helpful too. And that builds connections. Like, we're going to really work on how we do this. And and you can let the kids know, like, I'm working on this too. I want to get better at this too. Because we should always be working on our interactions and how we relate to each other and and I think there's always places to to help make that better. Moving on from the connection, um, let me talk a little bit more about the three-foot rule because um, that also has a part to do with it. So in the program, we're really strong about really keeping you, the kids, together. And it's a little bit, it's tighter than even just line of sight. And part of that too, and this does have to do with connection, is we spend a lot of time as adults sending kids away, sending them to go to their room, go do this, go do that, go brush your teeth. So in the when we do the family program, we're right there with the kids um, walking through that. If you've done the program, then you may be a little bit further removed from that. But when your child is struggling or you know that they just kind of woke up on the wrong side of the bed or they've had two or three interactions with their sibling that you know hasn't been positive or they're just a little something's off, it's always okay to come back to that and using that, 
you know, having them come stand by you. If, if they're outside playing and then somebody, you know, there's a problem, um, you don't have to like necessarily punish anybody or anything. You just have the one that's, if you know who caused the problem, have them come and be with you and allow the other person, even if the other, this is kind of tricky because sometimes the person that caused the problem is not the one that's now crying or upset. So um, a lot of times we, you can give comfort to the person that's upset and then you can have them kind of wait because usually they're they're a little bit more in control unless you know they're they're just trying to separate both of them then have the person that you know will go sit down and wait a minute and then work with the child that's having the most struggles or is the most explosive have them stay the closest to you um i i have had families with more than you know four five six kids and the three foot rule it doesn't mean that everybody is going to be right in your three feet space the whole time um but it's definitely kind of a rotation and it's keeping the kids close to you while that's happening. So just some things to kind of keep in mind and think about those where that could work best. And, and I would just try it, you know, um, sometimes you might think it might not work or you're thinking, I don't want him to be near me right now. Um, but there are a lot of times with my youngest son where just, you know, he would be upset about stuff. I could hear him, you know, slamming things around in his room or whatever. And instead of addressing that, I would just say, hey, you know, come, come be with me in the kitchen. Come, you know, come help me. And if you start off that way where you're kind of inviting to come in and connect rather than going after what the behavior is, you actually do stop the behavior and you help them to start to get calm because they can just be with you. You're not trying to talk it out. You're not, um, you're just kind of giving them that that rest from it. Kids get really defensive with a lot of questions. And so we can kind of ramp kids up with, you know, what were you doing and why were you doing that? And it can be even simple questions, you know, but sometimes it's better just to stick with what you know happened. And, you know, it doesn't, even if they're asking you, why, why do I have to come stand by you? It's like, oh, it's okay. You're not in trouble or anything. I just need you with me right now. So just looking for those opportunities to kind of bridge over some things. I have found with kids, and I know you probably heard me say this before, but they're going to give you another opportunity to to talk about it or to deal with it. So it doesn't always have to be, that particular problem doesn't have to be dealt with necessarily right in that moment of why did you do that or what were you thinking or, and those kind of questions are not really great anyway for building connection. Um, if we If we do that to each other as adults, you know you're going to get defensive if somebody's like, well, I'm. I just don't understand why you did that or what were you thinking? So pointing out what you know, like if you know they have took something, if you know that they were doing something that you didn't want them to do, then, and you know for sure, then I would just say, oh, I, I saw, I saw that you took the cookie. Now you're going to need to come be with me or, you know, or whatever. Sometimes even just pointing it out is enough for the moment. I think sometimes we're the ones that feel like, oh, I've got to do something about it, but not always. And and remember, we're really working on building that connection and kind of building that compliance. Um, and that's also how we, you know, really help them to, to help with their behaviors too. So the three-foot rule kind of moving forward after you've done the program, even if you haven't really started, it really has to do with, with keeping, keeping the child close to you and teaching them kind of that, that space. But it's a good tool to use from here on out too. Like if you've done it in the program, you can continue to use it um, at other times when they're having behavior problems or when things are not going well. Um, 
I've had times in the car. I had times where I would just, you know, pull over, um, kids yelling at each other or whatever. Sometimes I would just go sit in the back with the kids um, until they got calm. Sometimes I would just sit and wait and be quiet. Don't underestimate the power of just being quiet um, and waiting. Reading is a huge, um, is really powerful. And um, I don't recommend getting sitting in the back of the, of the car with a kid that if they are going to attack you, you don't want to be trapped back there. So sometimes just waiting a better idea. Sometimes you have to get that child closer to you just for safety reasons. So that's how we use the three foot rule when it's kind of outside of what we're doing in the program. So I wanted to talk a little bit. Somebody had asked about why we limit technology and how after the program do we you know, do we just suddenly start bringing technology back in? Do we let the kids have their phones or whatever. Some families, this isn't an issue, but I'm going to still talk about it because um, in some families it, it is. So so technology in the program, we, we say, you know, no screens, no TV, things like that for the first 30 days of the program. And then usually if people do that, they don't really want to go back to the way it was. I have a lot of families that use technology to kind of as a, some kind of as a pacifier, right? So it's like, it's a distraction. So it's it's like, oh, they they will bother everybody in the morning if they're getting ready if I don't put the TV on or if I don't let them have their iPad. So just being aware that you don't have to, um, you can find, they'll find other things to do. Um, most of the kids after they've been in the program, they're a lot more interested in reading. Um, so books can be a better distraction. They're not as a um, the same kind of addictiveness. So, you know, having, giving them something else to do while they're, while they're waiting can be a good idea. It just doesn't have to be technology. Um, what we tell you is if you start to add things in, like usually after the first couple weeks of the program, you know, we allow you to have like family movie nights or, you know, family time. There's some families where, you know, everybody has a TV and they're, and everybody is just wants to watch YouTube or do whatever their own thing is, but you can also limit that and do that as a, as family time. If you're going to use, if, like I had another family that had done the program for the 90 days and at, towards the end of it, um, they went back to once a week, they had a, a TV show that they all had enjoyed before the program. And so then they went back to using, to, to having that show that they could watch on Tuesday nights or whatever it was. And so it was on the schedule and it was kind of part of what they were doing. So when you when you limit technology, the thing that you have to really watch out is some kids, um, they're so addicted to it that it's kind of like giving a, a little bit of something you're addicted to and then trying to pull it away. So we wait until they're able to handle that. So if it's on the schedule and they get 30 minutes of it, and at the end of 30 minutes, they're able to give you the iPad, you know, the, the pad back or the phone back or turn the turn the computer off then then we know we're on a on a good track because they haven't want to have an on and off switch if you aren't at that place and and for some kids um even you know years later to get them to turn something off is a big fight and i just think if you know then it maybe isn't even worth it you know to have that fight if you can teach it with the limits if you can if, and sometimes you can start off having limits and then it gets more and more. So just be careful too that now it's like they're addicted again. You may have to kind of have a, de a detox from it again. Like, okay, we're going to, we're going to, you know, have a couple of weeks here with no electronics. Um, 
The other thing too is that a lot of families will use the restriction of electronics as punishment. And so I want to really caution you with that. It's, it's not, um, unless it's directly related to something that they did, you know, on the computer, on the phone, you know, they were looking at things that were not appropriate or not, it doesn't even have to be bad, but it which wasn't in the guidelines of your family. Then that warrants like stopping and saying, you know, I, I'm not going to let you have this, um, until I know that you are going to be appropriate. With most of the kids I work with of all ages, um, you know, I would make sure that they're, that you know what's going on and that they're, they're around you and they're doing it. I'm okay with them having 30 minutes. I had one kid that, um, he had an hour of computer time every evening, um, after he had done certain things and that, you know, and, but he could also, if it took him too long to get tasks done as far as like having a fit about it or whatever, then, um, then sometimes that would, uh, hinder how much time he had on the, on the computer. So you can kind of introduce it back in, but make sure that you have that control of it. And the reason why we do that is, is because, because it's so hard for them with the impulse control issues and delayed gratification to, to stop. Like it really is an addiction. And so they're going to be looking for those opportunities. I have other kids that we don't have it because any, any chance they can, they're like trying to sneaking out and getting up in the middle of the night, dealing, getting on the computers, things like that. So keep those things kind of in your possession and, um, school is a whole different thing. Um, so you're going to have to work with your school on how you want to handle that. Um, but I, t I, I tend to take the, this is my easy way out. <laughs> what happens at school is at school and for them to, to deal with. Um, and as much as possible, keep that at school and you deal with what you're dealing with at home. Um, but that's kind of why we limit the technology and how we deal with it. And, and I'm not against it. I just think that it has to have some controls on it. And, we, and I think part of that is teaching our kids how to have those controls. So it's like, let, I think it's a great way for them to learn kind of what a half an hour or 45 minutes is really like. It's like, and, and again, I would set timers so that they know, you know, give them that, give them that warning before the timer goes off, you know, so, you know, have like a, a three minute warning or whatever. It's like in three minutes, the timer's going to go off. So get to a stopping place if they're playing a game or something like that, because nobody is going to handle it very well if all of a sudden you just turn it off. They're get, they're going to freak out about that. So we want to make sure that you, and that's true even when they're playing, like other things or drawing or reading, you know, you need to get to a stopping place because we're going to shift gears here. Give them that warning about those transitions because I don't know how many kids I've worked with do well with transitions, like none okay and we're we're really probably the same way like if if we just all of a sudden have to stop what we're doing um it's frustrating so we're we're helping them to learn transitions we're helping them to learn to turn it off and um and and i think too when you have it on the schedule that they're going to have this time again that really helps too because if they can get to a stopping place like you know, and they're like, oh, but I was almost ready to put, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, but you'll get another chance tomorrow. You know, so it's not just random, like they never know when it's happening. And that also really helps to build that delayed um, gratification and impulse control because they start learning that um, things have a, a pattern and a routine and, you know, that, that we're, we're working with them 
on that and that they can stop because it is going to happen again another time. It's not going to be like, yeah, it might be three weeks from now or a month from now. So um, it gives you some leverage too on how you handle it. Again, I don't like technology taken away for random reasons. Like I think there's no tie-in that somebody, you know, something happened at school or somebody said something to somebody else or, you know, and it's like, okay, I'm taking your phone away. And then it's like, how is that tied, tied in? Now, if they're doing something inappropriate with the phone, then yeah, it's like, I'm going to have to take this away until we can see if we can get better at this. Um, but try to make sure that you're not, you know, you, we know that it's powerful. And that's why I think so many kids get grounded from their electronics because it's like, you know, but, but if it's not tied into exactly what's happening, I think sometimes you can find a, a better way. If it's on the schedule, then it, it should happen unless, you know, like somebody had a big meltdown. And so, you know, that cut into their electronic time. It's like, I'm, so, I'm sorry, but electronic time is from 3 to 3.30 and we didn't get this done. So if we can get the rest of the evening done, then you can add it in. Or I think we'll try again tomorrow is a good, is a good thing to say. Um, and as long as you're consistent, they'll start to be able to trust that. It's going to be hard at first, and it may not even be worth it. Is sometimes I wonder why why we think it is worth it with some of our kids. With I mean, there's some technology that that some kids, especially as they get older, have to have. But um, but for the most part, I'm like, wow. Like I I know I waited as long as possible with with my son, and I know in this day and age, it's getting even harder and harder to wait. So. Um, is put some constraints around it and some consistency in how you'd handle it. Thanks for listening to the Parenting Bridge podcast. For more about parenting and how to get started building a bridge to better behaviors, go to the show notes and click on the link to Healthy Foundations. If you would like to leave a comment or have questions for Dr. Michelle, there's a link in the show notes to do so. Thank you.